0: I think that's a great way to distinguish that, whether you're doing paid or organic in that, you know, if you start creating content you're using chat GPT, you start to create, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm going to create a thousand pages. Then boom, my SEO and my traffic is just going to go crazy. All right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that happens though. For real. Like that happens even in affiliate marketing.
1: Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast with me, Mickey Anderson, where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all. Business success, lasting wealth, freedom, and fulfillment. Join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more. As a transformative leader of multiple successful companies, Brazilian-born Alex Oliveira has helped companies advance their brands by executing interactive marketing campaigns for over 12 years. From SMBs to Fortune 500 brands like Ford and Allstate, Alex enjoys a diverse portfolio of clients. In today's episode, we tack into the two big topics that Alex is super passionate about, lead generation and customer experience. In particular, we talk about how lead generation can fail if customer service doesn't live up to the expectations of your clients, and how you should start with improving customer experience before you dive into an extensive lead generation campaign. I hope you enjoy this incredible conversation with Alex Oliveira. All right. I get really giddy when I get other marketers on the podcast with me because we top shop, we have lots of fun, but also one of the great things is when you get marketers from different areas of marketing together, no matter what we end up creating some brilliance, some knowledge bombs are dropped. And, uh, and we challenge each other, which is really fun. And so I am a conversion optimization specialist. So point of sale, right? I get people to do the thing we want them to do, to click. But our guest today, Alex, is a lead generation specialist and really a, a marketing guru, I want to say. Uh, he wrote the book on lead generation. It's, he, he's here to help me with the front end of the marketing. How do we get the right people, the right eyes on our business? So Alex, thank you so much for being here today.
0: Uh, thanks for having me here. I definitely am ready to geek out on some marketing of all kinds. Minds.
1: Awesome. Now, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into lead gen in the first place? I mean, marketing is such a huge, huge industry with so many paths. So, what led you to to lead gen and where you are now?
0: Yeah, it's accidental. I mean, back in 2002, uh, my wife well, my wife now we've been together for 23 years. But we were in college in Orlando and moved down to South Florida. I took over a family business, spent a few years there. And I really found that in business, running a business, my strong like core competency was marketing, and I just kept developing that. Right, going into Legion for construction, Legion for attorneys, and and the more I got into it, I loved the entrepreneurial world, launching new businesses. Um, but I also really gravitated towards, instead of like the typical CEO, just working on the marketing. I had a lot of fun doing that. And I felt and you know, every business that I launched from that point on, so that's 21 years, it's always been marketing, right? For me, the thing that got me to go from zero to 500 to a million, and then And continuously grow. So marketing was always the thing. And I, you know, here I am 20 years later, still excited every day to learn about marketing and teach marketing. And you and I were chatting before on the the podcast here, like why other marketers don't try new things. Right. Um, And so I'm always open to learning new and different ways and different disciplines or different markets to see how they do it in different countries. So cool. And um, yeah, so, so I've been in that world, but it really wasn't until like 2009 that I definitely dedicated my whole time to marketing. And that was by, it was more a necessity. Our business crashed with the 2008, 2009 uh, financial crisis. Right. And so at that time I said, you know, what, let me get out and just go work for another company for a couple of years. I did that. We had our first child. And uh, then I just said to my wife, no, I got to run my own ship, you know? So that's when I started Predict um and predict has been around since 2011 and we've been working with small businesses medium but also big brands which it just makes it fun. I've never been agnostic to just one vertical uh, or size of company or location. If you have a challenge and and you think we're the right team for you, I'm game, I'm gonna do it. I'll work, we'll integrate with the team. So yeah, that's my story with marketing.
1: I love that. And you know, it's such a great example. We hear that, um, what is it? The riches are in the niches. I'm Canadian, so we say niche, but <laughs> everyone, you need to niche down. You need to pick your target audience and it needs to be a tiny. Time- Little vertical of specificity. And I love hearing people who don't do that and still succeed because I think it opens up our uh, our minds to possibility, right? Like you said, try different things. And I I think that's just a, a great example.
0: But your point is you're on point with that. It is true, right? If I were raising seed capital and Silicon Valley, like that's what they want to hear, right? They want you to be like super focused, Uh, whether you're doing, you know, digital marketing or lead gen for dentists or lawyers or whatever the case is like super focused, even within law, like a specific type of law. I've, I've never gotten excited about doing the same thing over and over and over again, because it doesn't excite me. Now I understand why it's exciting for other people. Um, and to a certain extent, uh, I, and I've heard this from marketers that have worked with me. It's, it's really challenging to work on projects for new verticals, new business models that we haven't worked on before. So a lot of people don't like that. They find, they find that, um, it, it's just, you're making work harder. And I, and I, I kind of understand that, um, but that's sort of, I think, how I lead my life. I, I usually pick the harder trail, um, and if and if it's not working for me, so I'll be the first one to say I've been in verticals or have worked with certain business models that I, I found it's not for me. So, you know, the next time you get a lead for that, you say, I'm not the right fit for you. So you know, explore.
1: I love it. I think um, one of, there's two things that I kind of want to dissect there in terms of marketing in particular, you know, the industry is huge and it can feel super overwhelming for a lot of people, right? Mm. Oh my goodness. There's so many pieces to marketing. And so sometimes the safe, or safer feeling is okay. I'll just pick one really specific thing. But the other side of it is, regardless of what area of marketing you choose, it's constantly changing. Technology's fast. Business moves quickly. I mean, look at what the pandemic did. Like it is okay. always changing. And so, regardless of who you are and what you prefer, stuff's gonna change. Get used to be it.
0: Yeah. You, you know, you and I were talking about the analogies earlier with cars and whatnot, and it's sort of like a car. My dad was a mechanic and a welder, right? So my grandpa was a gunsmith. So naturally he gravitated towards welding and then- How mechanic. are you
1: not a cowboy?
0: I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I, I do like meat and, but that's it. That that doesn't sound right. Um, No, no. But uh, you know, his thing was whether it was a truck, a helicopter, a car, a motorcycle or a boat, he wanted to know how to work on the engines and, and, and not only the engine itself, let's say a transmission particular part, but go beyond that and learn the electrical, right? So you got to learn the electrical. That's a whole different beast. Uh, what makes the car run, right? Like he didn't want to do body work and any of the others like the other moving parts, but I feel like marketing is the same. So it's, it's this like big puzzle and there's a picture. And if you say, well, I'm just going to focus on SEO, that's great. And that's going to work in a bigger um, uh, size company or team. But um, the minute you get out of that company or team and you can't depend on all the other moving parts, you're going to scratch your head and you can't like Google this stuff, right? Like you have to know it. And so um, I see the value of both. Like I don't have expertise in most areas of marketing, but I do depend on people for for that as, as a team. But I'm always interested to learn what... You know, if I don't know about conversion optimization, well, what's new, what's new in attribution, what software can help me measure better for the client, you know? And I think it is challenging. So for those like first stage entrepreneurs in those first four or five years, it's hard because the things that make business run like sales and, and building your team and managing your finances, they definitely take the front seat. And then, sort of, all these other disciplines and channels in marketing, you feel like, listen, as long as I can get some, 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 generate some leads, drive some traffic, uh, the rest, we're just going to, you know, f- uh, uh, kind of try to find the answers along the way. And I get that because you can't, you're, you're just not going to find um the the resources, both money and time when you're at that level., um, but the beauty of it, right, Mickey, is that we're at a time in the world right now where there are so many people who are willing to work as a contractor, as a freelancer, qualified. i'm not I'm not talking about a five dollar you know gig on Fiverr. Uh, I'm talking about really qualified people who that it's worth paying them what they're worth for their advice. So consult with them. It might save you a ton of money in the long run.
1: You know, I uh, I worked as a paralegal before my, my time in marketing for a short oh, while. Oh. And it reminds me a lot about those situations where like, a, yes, a one hour call with a lawyer is expensive, but it can save you tens of thousands of dollars down the run just by taking that moment <laughs> with a professional to make sure you got your ducks in a row. And I think in marketing and in business, a lot of times we're we're cost evasive. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. We
1: want to minimize expenses as much as possible and put things off. But at the same time, had you invested even a small amount in working with somebody who knows what they're doing at the beginning, you probably wouldn't have to redo things so many times and start from scratch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, of course, you have to allocate a certain amount of the budget, both the, the, the time that your team is gonna spend creating and executing but also the 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 capital that's invested into it in testing. And you know, I I I mean I'm kind of getting to the end of what we're going to talk about later, but I think it's important to talk about it in the beginning about testing because if you go with that mindset that like look, this is going to be a, you know, maybe 80% of the budget is to do, you know, strategy systems that work and maybe 10 20% depends on the comfort level of the CEO or the CFO um we're going to test we're going to try podcasting we're going to try live streaming on Amazon for our for for our you know uh, e-commerce channels and i i definitely come across a lot of companies who don't want to talk about testing at all just just let's do what's proven. And I'm like, well, that, that's great. But the discoveries that are made in these new channels that explode like TikTok, I'm not a TikTok expert. We do lead gen on TikTok for clients. But if they really need someone to like take their TikTok channel to the next level, that's not us. So we, we can set some paid lead ad campaigns there and drive traffic in leads but if you need like a whole tiktok management um you know of your of your brand that's not us and you know we can talk about testing and a lot of brands do but few actually take the the steps to to do it right um so i and i get it it's hard cuz you can't be everything to everyone
1: i love that i think it's a great kind of starting off point even though it's a little bit Towards the end, I think a lot of entrepreneurs at the beginning don't give themselves enough time in the test and they don't actually collect data. They're like, oh, I'm going to test this out. But they set zero objectives. They you know, collect no data information and just make assumptions. So for example, TikTok, right? Oh, I'm going to invest a bunch of time in TikTok. Uh, it's a new platform. I'm really excited. I'm going to try and grow my business. And so they start posting on TikTok and there's no revenue and there's no revenue. What is actually happening there? Is it the TikTok? Is it the you? Is it the content? Like what's happening? And I think when it comes to testing, if you take anything away from today, make sure that you're measuring things and the appropriate things so you can actually get data from your tests.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, Let's be honest, I mean even as marketers, I'll I'll say that there have been times that I've picked the wrong horse, so to speak, mm-hmm. the wrong campaign.
1: That we all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and and so you keep doing it. You keep doing like, what you know, rinse repeat and you keep doing it until you you hit the one that's at least going to give you that, that 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 rate that is acceptable to everyone. And then sometimes you 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 hit one that was just sort of throwing spaghetti at the wall and it becomes the campaign or the headline or the image or whatever. That drove the mo- mo- most clicks and most leads. So, you know, again, it kind of gets back to why you test, because if 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 you just go with what, you know, like think about branding for a second. Cause I think so many brand strategists with good reason want you to like stick to a, you know, a brand guide and you can only do this and that and this is how we talk. We're formal. We're this, we're that. Right. And it's like, you miss out, you miss out. I like, I, I worked with Morgan Stanley and after years of working with them and driving traffic, actually the leads they were looking for were, were leads to drive um, attendees to their workshops, which typically was at a steakhouse. Right. Cause you can't really do much else in the financial industry. Um, most of your listeners, I'm sure know, um, but Hey, if they get to the steakhouse and they can do the presentation, they know they're going to hook three, four new clients. The thing was, is being that type of, you know, formal corporation, like the it was a box. It's like, we would send ideas over to them. You know, here's our ideation discovery. Boom, boom, boom. We use design thinking methodology. So it's not like we're pulling this stuff out of our hat. No, no. No, we can't do that. We can't use this. We can't say that. And a lot of it wasn't wasn't compliance related, or like they weren't. We're not violating any laws. It was just it doesn't go with our brand. It doesn't do this. It doesn't do that. That used to annoy me a lot. It still annoys me today. But I do understand the client is the client, and um, you know I I can't make someone do something they don't want to do. And if they're not willing to try, that's okay, you know. But they're gonna miss out. Somebody else is gonna try something else, and it's gonna it's gonna click with the user and stand out because if. If we see the same thing in our feeds online, whether it's, you're doing a, a search on, on one of the search engines or you're on, you know, social media, if everyone is doing the same thing, I, like, how does that really make you stand out? Right?
1: Yeah. Just noise. I love that you use that example of the brand guide. Cause I, th- I think it's a great word guide, right? It's not a rule yeah. <laughs> that you have to stick with. And I think most of marketing, right? We, we say there are rules, but really there are no rules. It, they're guidelines. There are things that have worked and there are things that haven't, and you have the option to make decisions and, and play. And I
0: think creativity yeah. is really important. I'm the first one to say early on when I thought I knew more than I know now, uh, <laughs> I used to, to, you know, look at the data and go, look, uh, your call to action button needs to be orange or or green or, oh, how dare you put a pink button? Like, listen, if you want to put a, you know, if you want to do the pink button, let's do the pink button. But early on, I I also had these standards, these systems. My system and I, I would follow the step you know lead gen 360 which i still do to a certain extent but i'm more flexible on it because it has to fit the brand and and if if a client says well, look i get that email marketing is awesome and you guys are great at list management and blah 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 we're not going to do email just not going to do it we don't care (laughs) it's like okay so i've got to find other channels they don't want to do email even if you show them that the competitor is winning getting market share doing email i I still have clients who say well that's good for them and i have to respect that i do you know
1: you know, one of the things that you've you've talked about before is uh, the focus on customer experience and how that will keep clients longer and get them to spend more, right? And I think this is a good example that regardless of what industry you're in, customer service and customer experience are a part of it, right? We might know what's going to work or what's not going to work for the most part, but if the customer doesn't want to do it and they're not happy, like it's out, that's it.
0: That's right. And I think we, we can, all, as marketers, so now switching from your listeners who are the entrepreneurs to Any of the marketers who are listening or when you work with marketers, you know, push them to really discriminate on your customer's experience. So so you'll hire an agency, you'll hire a consultant, you'll say, great, I'm bringing you in because you're going to hold our feet to the fire. So ask your marketer or your agency to secret shop you at different times of the day, the week, the month. For, for, you know, at least a few weeks before you even get to discovery and, and do a proposal and all that, if they're willing to do that. And ask them to paint that journey for you. What happens? What, both the digital and the communication piece of it, right? And so we, we've done that with a lot of clients where We'll take a software like CallRail and, and start to listen to calls. Now we're not we're not a call center, but I can hire people on contract for each project and say, okay, here's the parameters. I need you to listen to every call. I need you to score them. There's all these scoring models in those these uh, dashboards. And then give me back some feedback and we're gonna rate. The customer service, the wait time, the keywords, right? We can listen to certain keywords. We're going to take all that data and say, okay, before we even talk about leads or content or all the things that you want to do to grow, here's what's happening right now. We secret shopped you because we told you. And so do you think that your customer experience is great or average or... What 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 do you think? Yeah, almost always it's like, yeah, there's room for improvement. So let's improve that first. Um, the funny thing is, Mickey, is most companies uh will say, I don't have time for that. I I, I literally am hiring you because I need more traffic, more leads. And and we pass. We just pass. We say, Okay, well, you know, if you don't want to improve your customer service customer experience which sucks you have people who are saying the wrong things i mean i wouldn't buy from you just, just to be honest um so no we can't help you because if i if i if i say, if i if we design a beast of a lead gen machine for you and your phones are ringing you're getting tons of leads in what what are we doing we're making the problem worse that's what we're doing and then you're still going to fire me by the way
1: Cause you will. the biggest high five right now. I'm like, yes, we're so on the same page. I, I so agree. I, you know, <laughs> for anyone listening, the, the thoughts inside of your marketing team or your agency or your consultants head usually are in a line with this, right? Okay, great. We're getting you more leads, but what are you doing with them? Right? How are you treating these people? Why can't you keep customers longer? <laughs> and it all usually comes down to customer experience. Uh, I'd love to tie this into lead gen because I think for me, at least, it feels um, like I've had many experiences as a customer and consumer, right? Going through the funnel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that top of funnel experience that usually feels very robotic, very cold. Mm -hmm. And then customer experience isn't necessarily where I personally would like it to be. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to create a lead gen machine that actually delivers
0: great customer experience. Yes. With the right company, with the right resources. Absolutely. But I, I will say it's to do it automated for smaller companies. It's challenging. Mm. Uh, It's cost prohibitive. All the different systems and, you know, software that is available, even, even at like the starter level, when you build that marketing and tech stack, you're out tens of thousands to do it properly. So, I'm not saying you can't do it with a small team or the solopreneurs, which happen to be most small businesses, solopreneurs. So you can build this stack that has all these systems and tools, but you're not going to do what a fortune 500 company does. Right. There was a, a recent um, a report study that I read uh, that, that said that in the the top fortune 500 companies in the United States uh, pull from more than 1,000. If we talk to even, a, let's say, a, a, a business with a couple hundred employees, maybe they're pulling from 20, 30 different data sources and putting it together. But 1,000 data sources, Experian, this one, that one, government, they're buying lists, they're crunching numbers, they have data scientists. So I think that it's interesting to our conversation to note that while there are more options and more channels for us to explore as businesses, the truth is, the same system has created an inequality that has to be noted. And most people don't want to talk about it because it's like, oh, you must be a liberal. You're going to talk about inequality, Alex. And it's like, no, no, I'm just being honest. Like, right? Capitalism, big companies, can do this, small companies can't. So they have tools. It's kind of like kind of like Ukraine and Russia right now, right? Yep. So, yes. I, I mean, it's just a fact, right? So how can I go try to compete with an agency that you know does a billion in revenue? I can't. And it's not just the people, it's just the truth is the tool. So I think like we were we we started talking about Chat GPT a little bit too. Same thing there. Do you think like the Fortune 500 companies, what they're going to do with ChatGPT absolutely will eliminate jobs and take them to the next level? But for the small guys, sorry, you may be able to create a thank you note or or a blog post or, you know, something simple, a checklist, a guide. Those things are cool, you know, but you're not going to have the same of uh, capital to do what the big guys do. So there is an inequality. And so this ties into what your question about do, doing the lead gen top of funnel. If I'm talking to a small business who doesn't have a sales team of like 10, 15, you got to do this old school. You got to design this whole journey like on, on paper, step by step, and then record every action every time you go through it with clients and, and then take the time to ask them the questions, which I know is very hard. Most clients don't, don't want us to do this. They say, well, reviews and testimonials are okay. We say, no, no, no. We do a real survey on the phone and you're typically asking four or five questions. But at the end of that survey, we typically do 70, 75 respondents. We have a good idea of what's working, what's not, and how we can better. And sometimes it's just one little step, right? One little step or two or three, and you start to optimize that way. So for small businesses, you it's more of a manual process. And, it, and and I think that hiring a consultant to help you is going to be the best way than an agency. I think if you hire an agency, you're going to get just more leads, more traffic, which might not help you.
1: I love it. I, I it's so exactly the way that i look at it and i think um as we grow to like these strategies will shift and change you, what you mm-hmm. do to get your first you know 10 clients isn't the same thing for your next 100 clients or thousand clients right your business will evolve but depending on where you're at right now it, it, you have to make smart decisions for the now <laughs> that's it when we're that's thinking true. of creating our own lead gen systems and you know i've i've spoken to so many clients about this um, because I typically work in the organic marketing, right? We don't do a ton of paid. And usually when we're talking about lead gen, it's, Oh, I just, I need more eyes. I need more eyes because the eyes that I have on my business just aren't, aren't converting, right? I, I can't get enough clients. So I just need more, 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 but qualifying your leads along the way is really important. Making sure that it's the right eyes and they're the right consumers in alignment with your products and services. That's a big part of it. Can you walk us through how maybe the small business owner who's starting off with the somewhat manual process can make sure that they're getting the right people to find out about their business to discover them?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: This episode is brought to you by the Hustle Less Profit More Club, the marketing solution for small businesses struggling to grow. Learn how to ditch marketing that doesn't work and create a no-fluff, high-powered marketing strategy that scales in the Hustle Less, Profit More Club. This monthly business coaching program is designed for busy entrepreneurs and business owners who struggle to market their business. Inside, you'll learn everything you need to set proper marketing goals, prioritize your efforts, and grow your business. Head over to HeyMickeyAnderson.com slash club to learn more. Now, back to the episode.
0: And I think that's a great way to distinguish that, whether you're doing paid or organic, in that, you know, if you start creating content you're using ChatGPT, you start to create, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm going to create a thousand pages, then boom, my SEO and my traffic is just going to go crazy. All right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that happens though, for real. Like that happens even in affiliate marketing. That happens for certain clients. We scale the traffic and then you find out that it's actually not the right traffic because those were the customers, let's say, that were shopping at Walmart or Amazon. And they're not going to stay loyal. What they're looking for is free shipping, you know, a 50% off coupon, whatever, whatever. And so you have to decide what customer uh, you want to target. And I think that that's, that, that really gets at your question is understanding your target audience um, at a level that most of us are uncomfortable putting in that much time to create those personas and understand what those pain points are, their challenges, how do I fix this? That because it is like you said a little bit of a guessing game if you're in the first 10, 15, 20 clients. But beyond that, if you take the time to ask your clients like what their, you know, interest behaviors are, you're you know, you don't have to go buy a ton of data or become a data scientist. I mean, you could talk to people. So I think for the small business owner, the only way to do it is to have your eyes and ears on the street, talk, ask your salespeople, your customer service people to ask questions and, and, and understand, are you really, you know, are you solving the problems that they came to you for? Because I, once you understand that, then going out to create, Opportunities for traffic, uh, whether it's, you know, through doing paid or organic with lead magnets, it, it'll it'll give you a better, um, it'll give you a better path, at least like a view of what works and what doesn't. Um, now, of course, if you're just starting out, it just gets back to a lot of testing. And it, it's been my experience that even when you try to emulate what the competitor is doing with all the different spy softwares that 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 exist today, it it never works the same way because one company could have a total you know, a, a, a different brand or, or 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 the way they tell the story is, is, is emotional. Maybe they have a lot of videos. Maybe the CEO is charismatic. Maybe they come from an industry where they had a lot of connections and contacts. So all those things matter, you know? And then recently I met a CEO of a vitamin company where their strategy was to spend zero on ads, do very little content. And I'm like, wait, what? Their thing was partnerships, right? Partnerships, partnerships, strategic partnerships. Not, not even with like influencers and and um, uh, uh, what would you call them, ambassadors, which is what we think of typically online. Right, you go get a bunch of bloggers and and TikTokers, whatnot. No, this was like a, a very uh, old school guerrilla marketing. It, you know, they show up at events and then they partner with people, and and their product fits right with the, the other offerings, it was just a great way. Now, what they were willing to do because they had a higher margin. So that matters too, right? Because yeah. your show is all about more profit. Okay. So if you if you don't have a profitable product or service, this doesn't work for you. But if you have a high margin there, they were able to give up more on the revenue share and thereby acquire more clients. And so, but, you know, now three years into it, as they've acquired, I want to say 20,000 p- plus not 20,000 clients, but more than 20,000 reviews for their product. Okay. And they, and they use Trustpilot, I think. So it was, you know, third party legit. Yep. Um, now they're at the point where they're going to, their next iteration still not paid is all referral, just working on referral. Right. Just, and, and so I just thought that that was such a cool, um, all their competitors are spending a ton of money on paid, a ton of money on, on um, organic and content. Those things matter, but yeah they chose to go a completely different route to build a, um, you know, they, they understood their target audience. I should I should say that, right? Like they understood that their target audience were very educated. They were typically on Quora or Reddit. They understood that they cared about the probiotics and where it came from, like very high level, long form content. Um, and typically the people that shop or buy these products are going to these farmer markets or these like one-off independent vitamin stores. So they would show up at a vitamin store and do a little presentation demo. It's like, oh my God, this is great, right? And there's still millions of clients out there that don't know of their product that are like their target customer. And their competitors, while they happen to be there as well, it's not what those customers want. So yeah, I think, you know, get to know your customer. That's
1: such a great example. That company in particular of walking through that customer journey step-by-step, step, really understanding how the customer is interacting, where they're interacting, what their expectations are. And I think too, understanding your customer and the potential for loyalty, right? That that customer lifetime value is really important. And in an industry like that, with a customer like that, you know, once you get them, they're right. probably going to stay and so I, you can see a huge leveraging point there, right? Where they can keep their customers longer, keep them buying more and then push referrals. Like that's just genius. I love that example.
0: You know, again, I'll give you another example. Last week, I had a call, a contractor out in Washington. So I get on a phone call with my bizdev guy and, and this man, He's the CEO of the company. He says, "Look, we're in like fifteen thousand zip codes here in the in the West, and we do, you know, flooring, remodel, whatnot, and we're looking for leads." And I kind of went through the same process that we do, and it it just kept coming back to, "No, no, no, we just want leads. Don't worry about customer service and customer experience. It's like you're not the right fit for us, you know." So, um, and I'm sure he'll succeed. He'll find success, uh, but the churn rate is going to be so high that he'll never be able to penetrate because he's leaving so much on the table because he's not willing to um, make the experience better overall. And I know it's hard. So listen, even though I have that level of standard, I often reflect on our own companies and I look at it. And on any given day, Mickey, I can find discrepancies in the process. So, hey, I'm preaching to the choir here because it's going to happen, right? Right. Whether you're a big brand or a small boutique brand that's not supposed to be, you know, dropping the ball on anything, it's going to happen. So, but you have to be willing to improve that. And I do believe that if you improve that, customers will stay with you the long haul and give you those referrals. And, And I think that when it comes to optimization and the theme of your show, you know, less hustle, more profit, like that's how you do it. And then you can talk about let's scale the legion. you know.
1: I love that. And I think that really shows too, you know, your customer and it's not just about the customer who's going to buy more (laughs) always, right? Like that's an important part. You need, you need an economic buyer, but you also need a buyer who's going to align with your values, with your business, with, with with you, especially if you're a solopreneur, right? You don't want to work with people who aren't fun, who don't, who don't meet your needs. And so it's just another reason to really invest that time in understanding your customer and who they are, as well as who you are and what you stand for.
0: For sure. Yeah, you don't want to. And of course, every business owners, I, I did it many times in, in in the first two years, you take everything, whatever comes your way. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. New product line. Yeah, we do that too. Sure. <laughs> but at some point you you have to stop being everything to everyone. I do get excited as I was talking, you know, we were talking earlier about um, different verticals, industries. I do get excited when I, I I get a crazy call, you know, from, I don't know, Germany and some brand is, a, you know, vitamin, water, they they want to choose us, but, but, but it, because it came from a referral or some company in Japan who does medical equipment, you know, it's like, wait, what? But I, but I, I get excited about that because if they really have a challenge that I can solve, um, then, then I know it's a fit, right. Uh, and it's not always leads. It's typically, you know, let's fix all of this first and then you're ready for more leads to feed into your sales teams. And along the way, also, What many of these companies find is that they don't have alignment between their sales and their marketing. And so I usually have these little three uh, Venn diagram, you know, it's like uh, uh, marketing, sales, and customer experience, those three. So they get really aligned in the same place. And you have these conversations with teams and you go, oh, that's crazy. Everybody's marching to a different beat in a different direction. No wonder. Imagine how that customer feels. And then if I throw in like payments, which this is big in healthcare. So payments, and I as a consumer experience this all the time, Mickey, right? I'll call to to talk to the health insurance about our kids' plans, whatnot. And it's like customer service feels one way. Marketing feels another. Sales definitely feels a different way. And And then comes like payment. And it's like so dry and you don't feel like... You don't feel the love, right? It's just like, hey, give us the money. Goodbye. You get a thank you email, maybe a text. Actually, I just had a text from a, a vendor, a text, you know it'd be really cool if you picked up the phone and you called me and you said, "Hey." <laughs> no, no, really. I'm 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 so not true. kidding.
1: It's so true. Oh my god, uh, what a difference that would be, right? How much uh, would that stand out in your mind if somebody called to say thank you?
0: Uh I'm not kidding here. Look, so 205, yes. you can see here it says Geico, right? So Geico. Yep. Geico. So your payment of $226.55 for the policy blah 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 will be billed to the credit card blah blah. blah. Oh, okay. Text stop to end the text. Oh, okay, cool. Um Those I asked for actual. the no- right. So I asked for the notification, so mm-hmm. thank you. So thank you. Um but at what point in the policy are you going to call to speak to me? I know when it's renewal time. Yep. So where's the alignment between customer service working backwards to sales to marketing? Everybody's like Oblivious, so it it, it's it's hard, and so here's a company Geico, right, owned by Berkshire Hathaway. They're huge. I'm sorry, uh, Warren Buffett, your company sucks. I go with you because you're the lowest rate, flat out. I don't have loyalty. What loyalty? I'll shop you again in six months, and if you happen to be the lowest, that's who I go with. I mean, I I progressive, you know, commercials are cool, or State Farm, or whatever agency, but at the end of the day there are certain services in our life that that are so transactional and i don't think we should accept that and especially if you're a small business owner you have the opportunity to actually design an amazing customer experience so
1: I love it. I, anytime we talk about marketing, I, I love, there's this quote, Ryan Dice from digital marketer has, and is like, yeah. marketing is human to human communication, right? And, and it's human problems with human solutions. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Are you treating people like they're people or like they're transactions and whether it's the tone, whether it's using their name in the text, right? Had it started with hi Alex, <laughs> right? Even something as simple as that can make a huge impact
0: absolutely yeah yeah i think you know some companies are doing well depends on their divisions i i don't i don't like to just point out the 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 mistakes or the 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 challenges uh on a monthly basis i write down the experiences i have with different companies or vendors that i work with and i always like to give those experiences we don't have enough time in this podcast but perhaps another time i have a bunch of examples of like you know a two-person company that's changing my water heater whoa amazing like through the roof like you would have thought you were shopping at tiffany's a water heater but that you know the owner has this idea of everything and so he also doesn't depend on leads as much because his referral rate is just like through the roof and he can do a couple million dollars a year with a small crew because his work is above the rest meanwhile the competitors are spending like 10 grand a month to get clicks and their customer service experience sucks or their payment process or whatever. So I think the, the advice that we can give the listeners here is, you know, leads are great, but you first have to make sure that you understand the cu- who the customer is, the process, obviously talk to a conversion expert. It's different for every industry. Uh, you know, I I struggle with attribution and conversion and, and and a lot of those things because it gets so in the weeds and it's so scientific. It's 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 hard to do. You know.
1: You know, but I think that that order of operations, right? And if you're a business and you're you're feeling kind of maybe a little defeated because you don't have the budget to invest a ton in lead generation, you don't have 10k a month to to put at pay per click. And really, I think the starting point for you is, okay, well, how can you outdo every one of your comp- com- competitors in terms of customer experience, generate that month over month, sustainable revenue, those, those referrals so that you can grow and then invest in leads. <laughs> right? Like That's the order of operations, I think.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, what's, uh, I think the good news for the, the the businesses who are still at the stage where they're not happy with the, their growth or the number of customers that are coming in every day, the good news is you're still at the point where you can design an amazing system. Uh, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, two years ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to launch a bunch of courses because I really think that I can help a lot of these first stage entrepreneurs, business owners, and and even marketers, right? And so I, uh, the first one that I did was to pair up with a book and I got a lot of pushback from marketers, friends of mine in the industry. I said, can can you give me your feedback? And they were like, oh my God, it's too long, Alex. You're crazy. Five hours. What is the matter with you? Don't you know that a course should be no more than an hour? I'm like, I'm not, but I know my customer, I'm not building this course for someone who just kind of wants, like, I'm not, it's not for a TikToker. (laughs) <laughs> who wants? To, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not on TikTok often, but when I am, I look at it and I go, there's these people who give advice, like even financial advice or legal, you were in the legal industry. It's like, what, why would I listen to you? First of all, you have no, like, I don't care that you have 10 million followers. That's good for your mother. Like you have 10 million followers, but you have no credentials. I'm going to listen to you. Cause you did some freaking probably use chat, chat GPT yeah. to get an answer to whatever. No, I'm not going to listen to you. So I'm that guy. So if you were marketing to me, I, yeah, I would I would take a five, six hour course to learn something that I really think is important for my career or my company, right? To that point, um, I probably, if I would have made that course into one hour, so this is me trying to know my product, know my audience, and then build the product around that. So if I would have made that course into one hour, I tested it on our website and as well as uh, doing, doing it uh, private to associations. And then I um, added it to Udemy. So I tested it on three different total, different traffic sources, right? And uh, on Udemy, it's like, it's taken forever for the course to grow, but I stuck with it, it you know, and it's a six hour course. So you, and you could take it over the course of a month, two, three, whatever. And now after having done enough optimization, enough webinars, enough like AMAs and Q and A's and whatnot, the support is there. People are telling people. And I remember when I was selling like two courses a month. And then, for, you know, and oh, by the way, the po- price point was ridiculous. That that I admit, by the way, pricing is so important. I'm not an expert in pricing. So let, let me just... Preface by saying that I priced it at one ninety nine, right, one hundred ninety nine dollars. That's I was like, I'm not going to sell this for less. It's my audience. And uh, long story short, it's nineteen ninety nine today, right? But it took me a while to find a sweet spot. I mean, listen, I put probably sixty hours to build that course over the course of a few months, plus my my staff. That's it. Once it's built, it's there. It's there. It's just the support here and there. So I think I was being a little bit greedy in that. I was like, I can't give all that great content away. Like anyways, but I get students now on a daily basis. I just had one sign up last night from Japan and I get, and and it's, and it's good. And by the way, here's where sometimes it's good to not listen to advice. Mm -hmm. The advice that I was given by most of my friends and marketers and even course specialists was like, don't do it. No one will ever finish your course. Guess what? Most of my Uh, um, students finish the course within two, three weeks. And sometimes I see them finish it in like a day and I'm like, wow. So I'm just giving an example of like, that whole thing was built by, uh, uh, with the idea of marketers and everybody was a little bit wrong between the pricing, the audience and whatnot. So, you know, just, you got to do your research and it's taken a while. So the other thing, the, the, the one last thing I'll say on that is that, uh, have patience, you know, have patience, uh, and, Again, I'm, this is someone who's not very patient speaking about being patient. So it's kind of funny to listen to myself, but yeah, so I I have to be patient. It's like, it's okay that in the first year, it's only going to sell like, you know, a couple hundred courses then the set. So it's cool, you know? So just, just take time. But what I've been able to do along that uh, time with my team is optimize the entire customer experience. And there's still so much more to be done. Like I didn't do Q and A's and support for like the whole month of December and up until like last week. Yeah. You had some people who complain, but you know, most of the competitors who are doing courses, sometimes they take like a month to get back to you. We're getting back to people on a daily basis. Um, but, but it's not a business for me. So, you know, I'm doing as much as I can there.
1: What a great example. I think like the patience part is one of the hardest things for most of us. We all want results yesterday and we want it to be perfect. (laughs) But yeah. a lot of times it takes ten times longer than we think it should. Uh, and that's okay. Right? Who timeline are you really on? Right? We set these arbitrary deadlines and timelines for things when in reality, like sometimes it just takes longer. That's
0: it. it does. And, you know, I'd love to get your take on, you know, cause you're, you're in that world of optimizing the whole funnel. I'm sure down a conversion more, but like how in, in, in terms of like the algorithms and, and and I'm specifically talking about organic, because I always wonder, you know, we do some SEO and whatnot, but we're not experts in that area of SEO to generate leads. That's not what we do. Um, how, for a small business owner, what tool do you recommend? Because, you know, I, I always recommend like Google Analytics and a few others, but like, what's your favorite tool for like a small business owner? You
1: know, Google Analytics, Google Search Console are kind of the, the two main ones that i have deal yeah. with, but I also use a few different ones depending on the client and what they're doing. Um, because we do content campaigns, So content is always tied to a service and we're looking Mm -hmm. at the stages of awareness your customer's going through, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? So from unaware, they have no idea who you are. What do they need to know at that point? What can Mm -hmm. you provide for them to move them to a place where, okay, they now they know their problem Mm -hmm. and then from their problem, how do we get them solution aware and then aware about your product and service, right? And what Mm -hmm. do they need at each one of those stages? And so content is created with that process in mind and each Mm -hmm. of those steps. And ideally we want to start with own channels like your website blog is a great place to start. It's evergreen. You own it. You can then turn it into videos, which you can have on your website. And you can also send out by email, right? That process works really great for a series of an email, right? To to get people to buy your product. It works really great for upsells too, right? After the point of sale. And so it's all, again, it comes back to knowing your customer, what they need to know and when, and what are the questions or problems that they're facing in that moment. So for a customer who's problem aware, for example, they know, okay, I need, I need leads. I don't have enough, uh, I, I get it, but I don't know who to go for leads or what the mm-hmm. best solution is. At that point, we gotta answer that question. Okay, here are the options on the market. Here's what works for most people. Here's what doesn't, and here's where you should start. And then, okay, mm-hmm. now I need clarity on which one of these options is gonna be best for me. So we do comparisons. Okay, so-and-so versus so-and-so. And you just keep moving people throughout that process. And then the goal is to be, able because this is evergreen content too, right? The goal is to repurpose, rinse and repeat, post it on social, send people and direct them to your website, get them to consume it on your email list and get them through the point of sale.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's all for, for that small business owner. It's all just so much work that I I feel like you, sometimes you can't just hire an agency to do it. You really need a director level, CMO yeah. level. There's a lot of fractional CMO services out there. I'm not sure that most small business owners need that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of solutions out there, right? Marketing coaches, this, that, you know, there's everybody selling you some snake oil for a lack of a better word. But, but I think it's taking the time. Like when you were just talking about that, how you guys are looking at every like touch point, I was just thinking about a, one of our clients, it's actually a partnership that we have. And we, we moved them from WooCommerce. They had WooCommerce, but built on WordPress. And it took a while to convince them to move over to Shopify, Mm. you know, and they were really dependent on Amazon sales, which we kept trying to convince them, like, you can't depend on Amazon. You can't depend on Amazon. Like, it's great. You got into a million with Amazon, and then you're going to go right backwards because that's how it works. And thankfully, they listened to us and we went out and we built a an amazing website with a team that we hired on Upwork. Uh, actually, I, I lied. This wasn't an Upwork. It was actually on Shopify Developers their developer marketplace. Wow. And we lucked out because I've built thousands of sites over the years. Most of them are like, ah, pulling your hair. But this one, we just had such a great team. They really understood um, what what the vision was. And the website got done in like two months, which was, we thought it's going to take like six months. It took like two months. And anyways, all the tools that are in the Shopify and all the apps that exist there for shopping cart abandonment and all the stuff that we need. I needed that customer to go to a tool or a CMS like Shopify for that reason, because they're going to do a lot of what they do in-house for the foreseeable future. And if the tools are not user friendly, it makes it hard. So like for them, they felt like Google analytics, search console, all of that was not that it was hard, but they just couldn't connect it all together. Even using, um, what, what did we use? it's that it's in the Google marketing platform. Oh boy. It's it's think- they changed the name recently.
1: Oh goodness. Google, my business profile has changed everything. Google's changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything
0: is changing, but it's the one that pulls your data from all. The, it's the, on their marketing platform. Not Tag Manager. It's the other product. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Now you're going to have to. I know.
1: Now I'm just going to open it up and be like, where, where, what are we talking? Uh, they, it's. There's. Okay. Google ads. Google my business.
0: It used to be called Data Studio. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. It's
1: in, yeah, I think- Looker. Yeah.
0: It's called Looker Studio now. There we go. So you build all these dashboards for them and thinking like, hey, it'd be easier for you to optimize. No, but now that they're on Shopify- Again, I'm not selling Shopify 21, but I'm just saying if you have an entrepreneur who's listening here and they do e-commerce, it's been my experience that the environment of Shopify for that small business makes it easier to do everything, the email, the just, just everything, you know?
1: Yeah. If you can get it all in one, I mean, why pay for eight different platforms if you can if you can get away with one that's all inclusive? It's always gonna be easier. Like I'm old school. I use a Google spreadsheet. For yeah. tracking metrics, like that's me. I legit, <laughs> legit every week pull metrics into a Google spreadsheet, and it's not many. Like I know my key, my key KPIs, so I'm not too worried. And for most businesses, they don't need a ton of data. They just need to know what the right data is and where to get it. And if you can do that from the outset, you're you're going to be better than most.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Alex, let's talk about the book briefly, because I know, you know, that people are going to want to learn more about you, what you do and how they can get more. So let's talk about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the book was like one of those things where I had like three different book ideas and I chose the more more technical one, so this is not to you know a book to inspire you and do all this it's like very technical like if you want to learn legion and systems and the cool thing about the book is that if you want to jump around because you maybe are lacking in affiliate and you want to understand all the different marketplaces and how publisher versus advertiser works you can just go to that section so it's not a book that you have to say read from page one to 350 it's a lot of pages Uh, i also got pushed back from a lot of people like what the hell's wrong with you that's way too long you need like 150 pages i'm like Listen, I, I, I'm i going to do it the way I know that has worked for me because when I've generated 24 million leads for, you know, over the last 12 years for brands like Ford, Allstate and many others, like I have my system and there's a million other systems that are amazing out there. So let's just start there. I'm not saying mine's the right one. I'm just saying it's one across many verticals. And so I present that in the book and I present some case studies. uh, And then I present some like very like 101, very like entry level uh, things that I'm always surprised with some marketers that they might go, what? I don't know about that. Like, you know, even a little tool like Omnisend's, um, you know, subject line tester. Yeah. You know, listen, at some point I didn't know about that where I just talked to another marketer the other day, uh, actually a couple of days ago who said, huh? I I didn't know Google is not displaying pages anymore. Page one, page two, page three and organic. So again, Cause, cause we all have our lives and you're not going to keep up with everything. So I try to present the things that are, I feel like is going to be evergreen and foundational and, you know, try to stay away from the, you know, the, the trend of the moment. Um, so, yeah, so I built the bu- book on that. It pairs with the courses um, and a few other things, but I've had really good feedback. And for anybody thinking about doing a book, here's the thing. I first hired a ghost uh, uh, writer and it did not work out. Actually, I had two. The first one was horrible. The second one was a good friend of mine who was actually an SEO copywriter. Pretty good. Got me to about, you know, I did the first like 20,000 words. Uh, Then we got to about 30,000 words. But then the kind of book went in different directions. And I said, oh, gosh, I'm going to do the rest of this myself. And and I did. And then before you know it, I had like 70,000 words. I had to go backwards a little bit, but it was my own words. So I'm not big on doing ghostwriting, depending on the subject matter if anyone is looking to do a book. And then the second thing was that the strategy was, you know, you do the launch. um, It's a book that I give to all my clients. And I try to use that as a tool to educate their teams. So it works out. Um, But I also sell it on Amazon, which doesn't do much. But what I do do, I just got uh, uh, like one, two, three, like five boxes with a couple hundred books And I print them from Amazon for like, I don't know, $5 and change. And so it's just such a great tool that I think that for those consultants, service providers, coaches, like it's a tool that can really help your clients. And that's what I was looking for. I wasn't thinking that I'm going to sell a million copies at all. It's a tool that I've been meaning to do for like 10 years. And so it's, it's been, it's been a good um, experience all around. Uh, definitely put more time into it than I thought I would, but I'm really proud of it. And I think it's helping people.
1: I think that speaks a little bit to like what we were talking about before too. like your own words. They're different than something an AI generated tool is going to, to come up with. Right. And, 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 Yes, those are great tools to use, but nothing is really as good as coming from you. And as a small business owner, you're busy. We get it. But there are some things that you just have to do.
0: That's it. it. That's it. And and the title of the book was so funny. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story here. So the title of the book, for those who don't know, is if you build it, will they come? So it's a question, right? If you build it, will they come? The golden path to lead generation success for your business. A long subtitle there. But if you build it, will they come? It's, it's that so many of us, entrepreneurs, creators, inventors, we create these things, products, services, and so, many of, I mean, there are great products and services out there. They never get this covered, Mickey, because they don't have the right masterminds on the team of the mar- You know, I, I think of companies like Airbnb and all these other great companies that are out there. If you didn't have the right people in marketing specifically, sure, the CEO is visionary. I get that. But you had to have really good. Look, there have been brands that have come out of like the graveyard because they brought in an amazing marketing team, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think dunk, dunking donuts here in the U S is like one of them they're dunking now, but yeah. you know, I think back to like 20 years, oh, it was like a little donut shop. Then they rebranded and really came back strong to give Starbucks a real, you know, sort of run for it. And so the, the bottom line is like, you're an entrepreneur. You think your product is great. Wonderful. But if you build it, they're not going to come. You need the Mickey's and the Alex's of the world. It doesn't have to be us. It the could dream be team
1: us. right there. <laughs>
0: yeah, they're not going to come. I'm sorry. And then the funny part of the story is, so I did all of that for the book and I told my team, I can't take time out of your days to do this with me. Right. So I got to do this on my own. And uh, when the book was done, I did some stuff for the launch. You know, I go through the whole list, the plan, but most of it, I didn't end up doing it. And it didn't like hit me until after a few months that if you build it, they they're not going to come so they like built this stupid book called if you build it will they come and nobody was coming and honestly so here here's me telling you the irony of the title and i committed like the worst offense and i'm giving people that advice oh man I was like, what? This is crazy. Like, I I can't. So anyway, so I I really made a commitment. I'm like, okay, every month I'm going to ship out a thousand copies. Here's how I'm going to do it. Boom, boom, boom. Not going to depend on Amazon. This is how I'm going to do it. Boom, boom, boom. So anyways, so so it can happen to any of us. (laughs)
1: We all got to take our own advice. Oh my gosh, it's so true. Um, amazing. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time, your expertise. I've had a wonderful time. I learned a ton, and I'm sure the audience has too. For those who want to get a hold of you and uh, learn more about you and your services, where can they find you online?
0: Well, all the free stuff is on dadpreneur.co. So that's where I give you free courses, free everything. So go to thatpreneur.co. And if you like what you see there, then you'll probably find your way to predict, which is our uh, gen agency. So, but it's been great talking to you. And again, I, 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 I hope that your listeners spend time listening to, cause I listened to some of the other episodes, Mickey, and like everything else, there's millions of podcasts out there, but I, I, I know that you're, you're, you're taking your time to bring really good people on here, but also have these great conversations. And so I, I appreciate it. And, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing your growth.
1: Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Everyone, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at HustleLessProfitMorePodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.